Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of our podcast. It's called Is Breakfast Included? How are ya? On the show this week, I sit down with my good friend, Patrick Ryan. Patrick is a guitar tech based out of Little Elm, Texas. That's right near Dallas. He's worked for Shakira, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Little River Band, Dead Daisies. He's currently the guitar tech for Blue October, although he's on the sideline right now. He'll tell you all about that. He'll also talk about how he got into the business, what we think of the business. Notice I said we. And how he and I met, which is a pretty cool story. Uh, yeah, it was a really cool story. Uh, Patrick came into my life at a time when I needed a really good friend, and he has been all of that to this day. It was a great conversation. Let's check it out. All right, man. Tell everyone who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Pat Ryan. I'm a guitar technician. Uh, most recently, I worked for the band Blue October. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Shakira, uh, Hugh Jackman, Dead Daisies, yeah. and a variety of other bands. Did the know. hips lie when you were on Shakira? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> asks that. But he's actually getting ready to go out again, I think, pretty soon. Um, I heard, I heard. Yeah, I saw a friend of mine uh, just got the uh, the playback engineer spot for, for something coming up here pretty quick. Right on, man. So, yeah, uh, and you're based. You're currently based in uh, Texas, right? Yeah, I'm born and raised in outside of St. Louis in uh, Lake St. Louis, Missouri. Um, my wife and I and and our three sons we moved to Dallas back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, with what I do, I can pretty much live anywhere, you know. So it was. She had a job opportunity, and and it was time for a change of scenery, and that's kind of what brought us to the Dallas area. Yeah. You know? That's what I always say: as long as there's an airport. Right. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, long yeah. As but uh, did you um, growing up in St. Louis, man, you come from a musical family or were you the black sheep or, you know, um, my ironically enough, my 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 grandfather played uh, jazz like ragtime piano, like back in like the prohibition area. I found out, mm-hmm. you know, um, he was um, he was a great piano player he used to play like at family gatherings on holidays and stuff he he would tear it up on the piano and i never knew he played in a band or anything like that so much later on in life but um uh he was amazing my my dad played piano as well and so did my sister but as far as playing in bands and stuff like that that was pretty much just me you know and in our family that was about it yeah uh, so when did you start playing? Yeah, rag. Let me go back to that. Like ragtime piano. Do you like ragtime? I love ragtime piano. Uh, well, in St. Louis too, like there's a connection with Scott Joplin and all that. He could play. Uh, he could play all that stuff. Um, I always knew he played piano, but I didn't know his association with playing live and bands and stuff. And there was, there was a. Uh, a story uh, I, I've told people, I guess going back, he, he came to stay with us. He had a heart attack. And so he came to uh, uh, relax and go live with, live with us. We kind of live out in a, it was Lake St. Louis is more of a rural area. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lived on a lake. So they sent grandpa out uh, to live with us where he could kind of relax and, uh, and not get so worked up after this heart attack. And uh, one night after a gig, 
the van pulls up out front of the house and I come falling out of the van and there's beer cans and everybody's yelling and this whole scene is happening. And I walk up to the front porch and there's my grandpa sitting on the front porch and he's like, did you have a, you played tonight? I go, yeah, you know, and I'm all trying to keep it together and not act drunk, you know? And, uh, the next day he opens up about how he used to play in a band around St. Louis called Louis hungry five. And he was the piano player and kind of like the musical director and around the prohibition area, the uh, era they used to play, um, speakeasies and wine parties and all this stuff out in the middle of nowhere uh for the mafia wow and uh uh i was telling my father this story and he had no idea and neither did his brothers like it was part of his history that he kind of buried once he got married and started a new life as a family man and uh so that was kind of something cool that i that he you know told me about that no one in the family knew about so it was pretty crazy yeah 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 and yeah like you said scott joplin had that missouri connection but you know he was born in texarkana texas i heard that yeah Yeah. so yeah that's cool man that's i was talking to someone earlier um on the show and they talked about their grandfather that he played double bass the the stand-up bass not the uh, Right, right. But he would hear him. He would. They would hear him. Like, just go down there and play. You know, it was a, it yeah. was a part of his past life. You know, but they, yeah. you know, he never really talked about it. Yeah, um, but they, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say though, uh, growing up outside St. Louis, you know, this is uh, going back to the '80s uh, before the internet and everything. All we had were cassette players, and MTV had just come out. And, um. I always tell people I'm, I'm as excited about guitar and guitar playing and uh, music at 52, which is how old I am now, as I was when I was 12, you know, but I, I grew up on players, uh, having older brothers. I, I was exposed to Carlos Santana and Eric Clapton and Eddie Van Halen was a game changer. I still remember sitting in a beanbag chair and hearing the opening to running with the devil and the car horns, how they fade in. Yeah. Um, that blew my mind that got me into it probably i would say i remember hearing van halen when he first came out in the late 70s through my brother but um i i want to say probably 81 82 is when i kind of got the bug that i wanted to play guitar and started um i started playing around around then you know i guess i want to say it was like 82 83 right around those that time yeah, uh, yeah. George Lynch was another monster influence on me. Um, Warren D. Martini, Jakey Lee. Um, I don't know. There were so many great players from that era. You know, of course, it got kind of diluted as well. You know, yeah. it's, it's it bugs me now that they call it the the hair metal era, era because there was so much more to it than yeah. than that. You know, but uh, even you know Joe Perry, Aerosmith. Uh, you uh, too. I mean, even weird stuff like Johnny Marr. I, I, yeah. I really thought he was a great player too. It was more out in left field, but I always had an appreciation for the guitar, um, not just with one style of music. I mean, predominantly hard rock and and uh, 
and metal and stuff back then but it was uh but i just always appreciated the guitar i think you're the same way yeah and yeah. i think man, if you listen to a lot of the young cats these like polyphia and cats like that man they look at those guys from the 80s and that's their influence paul gilbert steve vise jakey yeah you know, jake jakey lee will always be one of my guys man you know oh for sure he, yeah he was such a a monster player still he's still a monster player you know well, ozzy's had so many amazing guitar players but the one thing like as a kid i i saw that show i think it was ultimate sin tour in 86 and it was uh it was that lineup of um randy castillo jakey lee ozzy um bill susan was played big. yeah 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 and it was and it was metallica on master of puppets uh, it i just remember that I saw it at the Tarrant County Convention Center in Fort oh, Worth. Really? Oh, really? Wow. I, I, on a side note, I hate to bogart your story here. My yeah. friends, we had bought tickets, and we were literally in the highest balcony of Tarrant yeah. County Convention in the last row. But you yeah. would have thought oh, wow. we were right up front because it was my first concert ever. Oh, really? And, and I remember, wow. like, I was so excited when we were leaving. We were, I was walking down those steep steps. And I slipped and fell and just, you know, when you slide on your butt oh, no. steps. Oh, man. <laughs> right. So embarrassing. What a way to end the night. But uh, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you'd agree, though, that, man, there was such a skill to guitar playing. Whereas, whereas like, uh, I, it wasn't that I didn't like the grunge era, but it was, it was so weird coming from that era and then going into this thing where, like, yeah, there were great songs, but I mean, the, as far as the technique and stuff seemed to go out, you know, yeah. and so it's amazing, you know, these bands that you just brought up, seeing that kind of come back again, you know, the skill to lead the guitar playing and things like that. Yeah, I love um, watching those, those, these, these young kids, I say kids, they're probably in their 20s, but I love watching their videos and seeing them actually just, you know, yeah play the guitar like like you said you and i we're the same age man we came up at the same time you have probably had the same you know I, i'm i'm gonna be honest i i loved eddie van halen i loved him but i didn't get yeah. into van halen till the hagar years is that crazy yeah or what i mean so many people my age hate like the it seems like hate's a strong word but don't like the hagar era whereas like i i love them both it's like two separate bands well that's that's what led me i mean i i'd heard of eddie van halen i'd heard of the band van halen and i heard running with the devil and ice cream man and i heard all those songs yeah but you know my coming of age was 5150 and then that took yeah. me back to diver down and women and children first and then you know my appreciation oh, yeah. But I think with 5150, Eddie really got to show his songwriting skills. He was oh, not for a, sure. He was not a party guitar player anymore. He got to show that he could write a song. He was a multi-instrumentalist. And um, I mean, you know, I, yeah. I love and I even like the Gary Sharon album. It was a great yeah. album, you know. But well, the cool thing about that guy was he was always evolving, you know, yeah. that that it wasn't like he did one thing and then just repeated it um every album you know yeah. it's uh there was so much to his playing and i think so many people get lost in the the tapping aspect of it and the flash part of it but people discount like what a monster blues player he was yeah he had chops he was an amazing blues player and when he talks about 
how he drew from Clapton and Jeff Beck. You can really hear it if you listen to his stuff. I mean, yeah, he made it his own. Yeah, and, but and, um, and the tone, amazing blues chops. Yeah. His tone. He was he was a tone. You know, he he coined that phrase, the brown sound. You know. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. funny you said something earlier, like you still look at guitars at fifty two that you did when you were younger, and it, I think it was Eddie that that I read an interview several years ago when I was young, and he said, you know. The, the passion for guitar, really anything. If you look at what you're doing the same way you looked at it when you were 12, 13 years old, you'll never lose that passion. If you look at it like you can't go into it going like, oh, this is where I am. Like you have to pick up your guitar and be yeah. learning crazy train for the first time or learning, you know, for the first time, anytime you pick it up. And it, it makes a lot of sense when you said that earlier. That's immediately what I thought of before we go. I never knew you said that, but that's incredible. I mean, it's, uh, and I think anybody who's really serious about the instrument can relate to that. Like, that's mm. my happy place. You know, mm. if I'm sad, if I'm happy, uh, if I'm stressed, whatever, I, I'm most at home when I have a guitar in my hands. Just to, it's therapeutic, yeah. you know, um, it's a creative outlet. It's a, a way to express yourself and that's a gift i mean to have anything in your life i i'm incredibly grateful for that you know i always say it's the one constant in my life like friends come and go jobs come and go girls come and go but the one constant in my life is there's always been a guitar in the room yeah Yeah. oh yeah you know and and it's funny my my youngest son was asking me the other day you know because i always played guitar and i tell people that like i didn't i never aspired to be a guitar technician exactly but i was always in love with the science of it you know he and he anyway getting back to what i was saying my son asked me he's like do you ever did you ever play and i just started laughing i'm like yeah that's what i always did you know that's what kind of brought me to the tech aspect of it um i was having a conversation yesterday with a buddy of mine trace davis and and uh we were just saying how, you know, there's some technicians out there who aren't necessarily um, guitar players, but they're from a uh, mechanical end of it. They understand the instrument. And that's not the norm, I don't think. But I, I, I've always thought that you need to be a player to understand um, what the guy you're working for is dealing with and what he expects out of his instrument and how to get from point A to point B. I always use the analogy like you have to be a, in my mind, you, you almost have to know how to drive a, a car before you can be in the pit crew, you know, Yeah. to understand yeah. if something's correct or not before you send it out. Yeah, makes sense. You know, I guess, I, you know. No, 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 but, it does. It works for some cats that don't play and they're just, their mind just works. They know how it feels. Yeah. And they're just so mechanically, um, you know. Well, gifted to be able to do that. I mean, I know some of the, there's some guys that are amazing at the job and, and aren't guitar players per se, but they know enough to get by, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So on that, on that topic, man, how, do, how did you get into this business? How did you start playing guitar? I, I mean, you played guitar. How did you start, you know, taking? Well, well, I think what had happened was I, I started, I started playing in the, into the early, I guess, mid eighties as a kid. And then after high school, um, when I was in college, uh, I had gotten a, the band I was playing in at the time, we had gotten a contract to the USO, the department of defense to entertain troops overseas. 
uh, we were playing downtown in St. Louis and there was some guy, there was a big blizzard that, that was going on in town and, or in the area. And uh, we were basically snowed in. And while we were there playing, there was some guy who um, was like, you guys need to go to Japan. You need to go to Japan. And he was kind of, kind of buzzed, you know, but he was buying all of our drinks and we were having a good time with him. And we, we thought he was full of shit. And it turns out he was the director of uh, global entertainment for USO. Mm-hmm. And so the next thing I know, like within a couple months, we were going over to uh, Korea and Okinawa and Japan. And um, I had to know, you know, on a Sunday night in the middle of Korea somewhere, if my guitar wasn't working, I, I, I needed to know how to at least have a show that night and be able to make things work. And that was sort of the catalyst that got me, uh, you know, got my brain thinking from, you know, like just strictly as a player and bringing my guitar to a shop to get worked on into how can I make this guitar a function, but also how can I hot rod it? How can I make it more personal to my own needs as a player? And then as a technician, um, after I got out of playing in bands, uh, a friend of mine asked me, uh, if I wanted to go out with this band for the summer, I was like, well, I'm, I'm a guitar player. I'm not a technician. And he's like, you work on my stuff. You work on your own stuff. Just apply that same thing to this guy, you know? And, uh, that was little river band. I want to say it was in 98, 99. And, uh, I thought I was going to do it just for like the remainder of the summer, like three or four weeks. And that was 25 years ago. So, yeah, you know, what a great, so band I, I yeah yeah i i there was a it was a great education getting to work with those guys you know i would say it was like being out with my uncles all summer you know yeah. on a road trip but some of the nicest folks i've ever met you know that they and I'm, I'm still in beer. touch i'm still in touch with them now you know yeah that's yeah. cool man yeah i love that band so i mean uh you've seen that movie the other guys haven't you yeah where they bring up little river band and, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I liked them before that. Yeah, yeah, I love when a band like that gets a uh, gets their due on something that a lot of folks are going to see. You know, yeah, yeah, they got a good shout out on that one. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, so you went out with Little River Band. How long did you work with them? You say off and on. I I was with them from '98 to about 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, most of that time, and then. uh then uh, other offers started coming in, and and I, then I went to work with uh, Blue October for a while, um, and then it was uh, Dead Daisies, which you know you know they're kind of an all star band, yeah. But that was great. Uh, I got to work with Richard Fortis, and uh, growing up in St. Louis, Richard was uh, how do I put it? He was like the lo- everybody knew he was going to do something, you know, back then when he was a kid, and. Yeah. Uh, uh, then he got the Guns N' Roses gig and he did a bunch of other stuff too. Psychedelic Furs, tons of studio work, uh, but getting to work with him was great. Uh, John Karabi, which I think you, we've talked about John before. Great yeah. guy, great player. Uh, Marco Mendoza uh, on bass. Uh, that was, that was a real fun, fun gig. Um, and then it just kind of went from there into, into other, other bands. You know? Yeah. You know what, to me, and, and and you know my opinion means nothing. That was the coolest version of the Dead Daisies. With yeah, John. I mean, I think, I think John's back in the band now. And, uh, but yeah, you know, with Marco. Marco's a, such a great singer. 
yeah, uh, on top of his bass playing, you know. Yeah, so, I remember seeing that. Uh, what was it? That video from Hammersmith Odie, and they put out in like 2007, the White Snake. It was a live White Snake video with Doug Aldrich on guitar and Marco Mendoza. And it was incredible, you know. Yeah, um, that's where I first knew of uh, Marco, but he was he was a fun guy to work with, and I just admired his history because he he played with so many of my guitar idols. You know, Neil Neil Sean was another uh, somewhere he's somewhere in my top five. So Steve Lukather, guys like that that he played with, as well yeah. as Doug Aldrich, George Lynch, all those guys. You know, but monster bass player you know yeah. i can't say enough about the guy i have a funny story i don't know if i should tell it but i think i will sure uh i met marco when he played in thin lizzy and it was the lineup oh, okay. of scott gorham john sykes marco and tommy aldridge oh wow Torian, john they were Torian, in it then. yeah john's and john sykes was singing and it was really it was very creepy how much he sounded like phil singing you yeah know, john um but I've met them there in Dallas. And uh, the one thing I remember about Marco, he was so happy that day because he had finally convinced the tour manager to put Slim Fast on the rider. <laughs> I, I can believe that. That guy yeah. was like, a, he, he was, a, if, he, if he didn't make it in music, he should have been a comedian because that yeah. guy was just always on. Was always he was fun. just like, he was, he's like, oh man, I'm so happy. They finally put this on the rider. I've been trying to get it on the rider. And uh, they said, what? And he's like, slim fast. <laughs> <laughs> and I always thought that was hilarious. That is funny. Another thing too is uh, someone had taken his vest to a cleaner's. He wanted to get it clean. And rather than take it to a cleaner, they took it to a laundromat and washed it. Shrunk it, like, it or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything wrong happened in Dallas, but he got his slim fast. So that's my Marco that's Mendoza story. No, nah, uh, you know, speaking of funny stories in Dallas, the, the first show I ever did with them was at the, uh, well, I, I'm not even from here and I call it the Starplex, but you know, the big outdoor shed yeah. down in Dallas. And, uh, we were headlining the front stage. So if you can picture this, it's like probably 110 degrees outside, hot as hell. And we're playing this pop-up stage with an inflatable roof. It was the Ernie Ball stage. And uh, the generator died in the middle of the third song. And so in front of thousands of people, this is my first gig with them, the entire rooftop just comes down on top of him and is ripping down cymbal stands and knocking amps over and you know well, what do you go to first you know but it was like this big cloak of failure <laughs> you know floating down and then they fired it up again really quick the generator and it blew the fuses out in the amps oh man so it was yeah it was a trial by fire but it's a funny you know it's a funny story as you know you know when shit happens in the middle of a gig all you can do is try to keep your composure about it but that was uh high pictures of that somewhere but that was yeah that was a crazy moment we were able to get up and running again but it was it was nutty you know? yeah i uh i love first gig stories because uh we just talked to a guy named brandon bernie and he said on his first gig he got food poisoning and he broke every bus rule you could possibly break that night. oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> because of the food poisoning you know what I'm talking about. I don't need yeah, to say Yeah, you don't it. want a brown bag but, um, your first day on the bus. <laughs> yeah. You know, I used to work for a guy named Jack Ingram. And my very first gig with him, uh, I didn't know him. I never met him. I had never even heard his songs. Um, 
But so he walks on stage and, and I hand him his guitar as he's walking on stage. And he just kind of gives me this look. Later on, Jack and I became really good friends. And yeah. but he gives me this guitar and he starts playing this song and he's looking around and he's looking back. Now, mind you, he didn't come to sound check. Nobody told me anything. They just said, here's the guitar. Here's the pedal board. So I just ran yeah. it like I normally I wasn't familiar. Yeah. They didn't even give me a past set list to see notes. He turns around and he walks back and he's like, where's my effing capo? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And he goes, where is it? And I'm like, Tch. and he goes, <laughs> I, I find one, I give it to him. And then he's like kicking the pedal board. And I go down there and he's like, what's going on? And I look up and I go, I just fucking met you, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I literally just met you. when, you know. But um, yeah, anyway. That was nah, my first gig story with with Jack Ingram. Yeah, he thought yeah. that was hilarious. That that was my response as shit's going wrong with his gears. Like, dude, I just met you. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, there's another band I worked with that, um, uh, without saying who they are, kind of rhymes with Dashing Shrumpkins. And uh, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, there's certain players you work with who will who are very diligent in making sure you know their thing and understand. Every, everything you need to know about the gig. And there's other ones who just naturally assume you should know their little nuances and stuff. And I walked into a situation like that where, uh, you know, uh, what was it? It was something with, I was doing this guy's, uh, all of his switching from side stage. And yeah. it was over parts of songs that we had never discussed. And that was always, you know, like we've never had this discussion, you know, <laughs> you know, I can't, I, I can do a lot of things, but I'm not a mind reader, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's where this job can be frustrating, but a majority of them uh, are, are great. And that was a great experience too, you know, working, working with this band I'm talking about, but it was, uh, um, it gives you an appreciation for a lot of the other bands you work with as well, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and you're a better tech for it at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, you're better I mean, with every experience. It, you learn something with every experience, you know. Yeah, but I think um, when a player starts to lose their grip on their grip on, I, I for lack of a better term, reality. I think, and and you know, you're there to assist them. Us as techs are there to assist them, and when they forget when they were the only person they had to get their gear going, you know, they forget yeah. the things that went wrong and they, they, they've I'm not saying all of them, but when, yeah. when a player forgets that and just assumes you're a magician and you're a yeah. mind reader and, and they take it out on you personally, I, I've had one person do that. It's the only gig I ever walked on. Um, yeah. I won't say the name either, but yeah. I mean, it rhymes with paleo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it just it 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 was not a cool gig for me. And um, I mean, maybe they're great. I mean, maybe that person is a great person, but that night was not good for me. And I thought, you know what, I won't be able to look at myself in the mirror if I do these next few shows. So I'm just gonna pay my yeah. way home tonight, you know. Yeah, you know, and I was warned about that one and uh and like I said, I don't regret doing the gig. It was a great gig, but um, nobody wants the player to have a better night than 
us guys in the trench, you know? Exactly, man. So it's, um, yeah. Man, Whenever someone asks, like, how was your show? I'm like, I didn't hear from my guy. So that's as long as I don't hear from him, that's a good yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, I, I always said that, you know, when when uh, when a guy just walks up and he's in a good mood and fist bumps me and just walks out in front of 20,000 people, that says so much more than any compliment. Yeah. yeah. You know, when, when you have their confidence like that, um, that's what really matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I was going to ask you what's the most challenging part of your job, but that's really it. You know, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's that, it's that relationship between you and the player, because a lot of cats, they, they'll say like, Oh, you're the guy that goes out there and hands them guitars. And that's, that's my whole job from an audience's point of view. See, you're, you tune guitars, right. And it's like 1% of what the big picture is. But, um, um, it's really a weird, skill set isn't it you know yeah. like if, if, if you look at the, the other people we tour with um guys like you and i you have audio people you have lighting people like there's actual proper schools for that and yeah i mean so many of the, those people are hands-on like we are and learned as you go but there's really not a backline tech school it's yeah it, it's a culmination of all your past experiences from being a player when you're younger or when you're not on the road and just bringing that knowledge um, to whoever you're working with, you know, your ability to keep your head when, when things go wrong um, and your problem solving skills. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, what would you call it? Like a mix up of all those different factors, yeah. you know, which I so, didn't think I had any of those. Pat. When I started, I didn't think I had problem solving skills. I didn't think I was, I could keep calm um, until I started doing this, this, you know, when I started teching, it was, it probably improved me as a person because I learned to think on my toes. I'm still to this day, you know, I'm almost 20 years into it and I, the show starts, my heart rate goes up. I think I'm going to get fired. Um, You know, like, this is it. This is the last night. Like, I know that the last thing I tell my drum tech in the, in the talk back mic every night is like, yeah, I hope I don't fuck up, you know? Right. No, I mean, but uh, but I think that's what keeps you on your toes. I I think when you, I wouldn't use the word caring, but the minute you're not a little, when you don't have butterflies and you're not nervous before the start of a show, I mean, because I always say you're only as good as your last save with what we do, Yeah. you know? And so, so much of it, yeah, is preventative maintenance, but, um, you have to give a shit. And and I always tell whoever it is I'm working with, like, I'll, I'll go down in flames with you. You'll never be out there alone. Yeah. You know, trying to sort it out. Um, and knock on wood, those, those instances are far and few between. And, you know, a- after a while, it's just great to see performances fall into a, uh, you know, you make it as familiar as, as possible for them. You know, everything from the number of picks on the, on the mic stand to exact positioning of things on the amp to. And that whatever, shit's important. You know? People don't realize how important I, I just had a guy, a, a very good friend of mine fill in for me uh, yeah. on, on, on the drain gig. And I was telling him like, this is where his water goes. This is where yeah. his, and he, I said, like, you keep the diet Coke on this case. You know, when he walks down, he's going <laughs> to want that. And it was that, that shit's important because it's like, uh, yeah, muscle memory that that's where he's going to reach for it 
and like yeah, yeah consistency is, is key yeah man i wish i yeah. was like some of these cats out there uh some of these cats that are just they're they're just amazing techs uh they can do anything they can i mean you're one of them you can you can take a part of guitar and rebuild it you can change out pickups between yeah. songs you can do all that and you can I, do all that stuff too though we've worked yeah, on yeah, stuff but, you know today. man i start telling myself now nah, you can't you gotta wait till tomorrow let it let them get through the show. Yeah. <laughs> let them get through right, the show. Right. But there's yeah. in the in our industry, like there's A, B, and C. And I've toured with guys who started A and they know how to get to C if something goes wrong, but they don't know yeah. the B. So when that B goes wrong, they're just like, oh, so uh, uh an old tour manager buddy of mine, Tim Craven, told me, like, you started A, you gotta know how to get to B to get to C. If yeah. you know that nothing yeah. you there's nothing you can never go wrong with. Um, but yeah, I've toured with guys who know how to get to C, but they have no clue that B is there. And I've watched them go down in flames, you know, and you just watch because you yeah. can't help them, you know. They're uh yeah, oh yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. You know, I've seen that with other techs I've been out with, and yeah, yeah that's but you gotta keep your skills sharp too. Like you if there's something you're not good at, then work at it when you have time. You yeah. know, that's what I've always I've always tried to do. You know, if if time allowed it, um, I would work on my weaknesses. I mean, here's another part of our our interview here, but like you know how you and I met. You know, we 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 both focused. We we got together. We met each other and and focused on, um, you know, learning from each other. You know, yeah. and uh. And Let's talk on about that a little, man. Let's talk about how we met. It, it was pretty... an incredible story. I love telling people this story, but yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, I think I think the last time I I physically saw you, I went to see Blue October, and we had uh, yeah. dinner with Bagel before the show. And before yeah. you sat down, and I said, you know what? Before we start eating, before we say anything stupid, I just want to let you know that this dude saved my life. You know, and, and uh, I, I firmly believe that because I was in a place that I didn't know what to do. Um, nobody really understood what guys like us were going through. Everybody had lost everything. I'm not saying I was not downplaying what everyone else was going through, but uh, people in our industry, man, you know, like it was we were the first to go and the last to come back. And we're still coming back, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't talk to anybody about, what i was feeling all those all those years of just pushing everything down because you're on the road like i always tell people those those two hours the show's happening man i'm i'm so happy i'm so happy then you get on the bus and you're around people who helped you make it happen so you're really only alone when you're sleeping you wake up you do it all over again so you never have that time to dwell on what's wrong with you until something like that happens and all I did was dwell yeah. with what's wrong with me. And um, you and I had a mutual friend. Yeah. I reached out to you and I just cold called you, man. Like I was trying to sell you fucking Amway or something. I just cold called <laughs> you. I, I, I yeah. mean, that, that's how it was, right? Like, I think my my message chart is like, hey, man, you don't know me, but we we both know this cat. Well, I I had heard of you through the industry. I didn't know you lived that close to me, though. I knew you were in the Dallas area. so. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's like you're saying you reached out and you're like, Hey, I'm, I, I do what you do. And, um, I can't remember it, 
we were talking about what we were going through and it was similar, similar stuff. Like nobody could, how do I put this? It was, it was hard to find anybody who could identify and understand uh, what we were going through with what our line of work is, except yeah. for another person who does it, you know? Um, but I was so glad you reached out and, and uh, look at the friendship we have now because of it. But, you know, I, the, getting back to that story about bagel, the funny thing was when we were walking to dinner to go meet you at the restaurant, I, I said, I said, man, you have no idea. Like I, I, I don't get depression. Uh, normally i mean yeah everybody has their ups and downs but i was truly clinically depressed when all that was going on and i go bernie saved my life just to have somebody i could talk to that could relate to what i'm i'm uh, going through yeah uh, yeah in our line of work was was so invaluable just somebody to have a sounding board and i think you and i were like let's just meet up and uh grab lunch and then we got to talking and we found out we had so many mutual friendships and yeah and then we're just like, I remember we, we just learned from each other. Like, yeah, we just started tinkering around on guitars and, and that's how it started. But then I think what I noticed most is we would just talk. Yeah. We were just talking and, 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 you know, yeah. You get each other's brain, almost like feeling each other out. Like, yeah. And, and, yeah and, man. And, and I do, man, I do, I do value your friendship a lot. You know, we became really good friends from, from nothing. You know, well, yeah, that's my favorite I, story out of COVID for sure. Yeah. I, I think I always say, man, I'm too old to make good friends now. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what you call it, ego, whatever, but a lot of times, not, not just people who do what we do, but in any line of work, people are guarded with their knowledge. You know, yeah. I've always heard an expression. It's like, you know, once you learn something, it's your job to throw the rope back down the hill. Yeah. And, um, uh, a lot of times people don't do that, you know, yeah. uh, out of insecurity or worrying about somebody poaching their gig or whatever. And I remember our conversations were so awesome because it was like, well, what, what do you not know about that I know about that we can help each other with? And it was, yeah. it was so great to bounce that off, you know, somebody else. It was really cool. Yeah. And, and then uh, after that, I mean... Then we got Cowboy in on it. Too, we got we brought in Cowboy, and he was, you know, he's he's pretty guarded himself. But he was just, I texted him, I was like, "Hey, man, I meet with this guy once a week, and you should come and just hang out." And he was like, "Just say when, just say when, yeah. you know, like I need to get out, I need to talk to somebody." And it was fun, yeah. man. I mean, and and it, like I said, those conversations are some of my favorites. So those hangs, yeah, it was so times. healthy for all the right reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was really good, but. um yeah, man, I'm, I'm grateful for you. That was an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. On that subject, man, uh, well, kind of on that subject, one thing I you you started showing me was the uh, the Axe Effects. How do you stay up to date with 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 new technology and gear? To go back to what we were talking about, like keep your skills sharp, you know, and so forth. Well, I mean, I think that's that's a big part of it is to be relevant in this world, you have to be up on uh, you got to go with technology or else you, you become a dinosaur. Like, of course I love tube amps. Um, and that's one whole school. And then you have the, you know, the, the new school where people are using fractals and they're using the Kemper profiler. And, um, and there's so much new stuff that's always coming out, not just from those two companies, but tons of other companies. Um, it's frustrating to me when I run into a guy who's just like all that shit that just, 
it sucks. It's fake. And you, you know, it, you have to embrace both or else you're going to, you're going to become extinct and just be yeah. some crabby guy in his bedroom without a gig, you know, but of course I love amps and, and analog technology and tube technology, but you, you really have to be well-versed in everything. If you get a call to go do a gig and the guy's got, um, a camper or a fractal, you, you at least better know how to navigate around on it and yeah. work on it, be able to jump in there if you're not familiar yeah. with it. So, um, it's just one of those, uh, necessary evils, I think, to stay up on things. I, I always tried to, and it was a good excuse to buy new toys when something <laughs> new would come out. I, I need to know how to use it <laughs> right. so I could tinker it and then use it, you know, sell right. my wife on the idea that it was for research purposes, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I, I guess so. Is that, is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, you man. Know? That's I, I, you know, I still, I still, my, my confidence is never there. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I've always had a confidence. I mean, you, I, I seem to think right now I'm on a pretty big gig, you yeah, know, kind of, kind of. <laughs> I think right. these guys, I think these guys might have something going for them. Right, but right. they got a bright it, future. It's the confidence thing. Like, oh, I'm not good enough to be here. I'm not doing, you know, like, uh, whatever. Yeah. Why am I here? Why? It's, I guess, imposter syndrome. So, yeah, when new gear comes out, I'm the same way. I, I, uh, DSP, the neural DSP. Yep. There was a there was a time when we were thinking about switching, and I reached out to him and I said, could could I check one out and just see yeah. what it and uh. I don't know if it was you or who I reached out to. And they said, did you get it? And I said, yeah, I've been staring at it for a month. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, all, got- it was sitting next to my, my desk in, in, in the office. And I just kind of turned it on and I stared at it for almost a month. Like I was terrified. And then once I got into it, I go, Oh, okay. So they're all kind of the same. The X effects, the, the yeah. neural, the line six, yeah. they're all kind of, they all kind of take from each other, but it just takes that little bit of, of like me waking up with the right mindset and going, I'm going to try it rather oh, than absolutely. me waking up with the mindset of like, I, I always, did you ever watch uh, Penelope pit stop, the anthill mob? Did you yeah, see sometimes. that? So there yeah. was always that one gangster that was like, we'll never make it. That's me. <laughs> that's, that's me in real life like oh we're doomed we'll never make that's that that's how i think of things you know i i use that reference with my friend johnny and he had never heard of it and i'm like i feel so old (laughs) yeah yeah that that neural thing that thing's incredible isn't it um it is it's great man um it's not exactly what we need out here but it's really cool it's a really cool piece of gear not out here on the other gig but it's a really cool piece of gear yeah, I was working with Suze Vasquez, uh, she guitar player with Carol G. And I, I was checking it out. It was almost like this. It's it's crazy. It's like this iPad that you plug into, you know? Yeah. And she was just like, oh, check it out. Dialing up all this stuff like instantly. Mm. Um, and it got it sounded amazing. You know, some of the stuff that's on there uh, is great. I mean, all, all three of those, the the uh the fractal the kemper the neural um i i think it's just i think it's the tip of the iceberg for what we're going to be seeing you know yeah. Yeah. 
She's um, such a great guitar player. What was it like working with her? Oh, she was just so sweet, you know, but so talented, you know. Um, she uh, she stepped in and covered uh, the lead guitar role in Blue October for a short while. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did a, a, a North American tour with her and then uh, again in Europe and just uh, God, just a monster guitar player. And she wasn't she hadn't played that long, which made me hate her even more. <laughs> you know, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but she, um, you know, talk about the new breed of guitar player. Uh, any tone that was required where she could just instantly source it from her gear. And uh, I was just so impressed with that. You know, she had all the parts down, um, you know, completely. And then, you know, she could she could do all that. She was just a great utility player but uh as, the, the whole package you know and she yeah. was so sweet and such a nice person as opposed to cats like it. us when they would ask us like hey you need to dial this in we're like it's out of tune always blame the tuning the guitar is out of tune <laughs> right something doesn't sound right yeah yeah it's never you yeah. it's the gear yeah. did you, <laughs> you know? did you plug into the input i told you to plug into in the wall right it's right. gotta right. be the power in this place <laughs> i hear um yeah <laughs> right you know yeah. it's but, not gonna uh, happen sorry you're getting distortion <laughs> yeah uh yeah. hey man what's the craziest uh the craziest like i i follow um a mutual friend of ours drew froppy yeah drew i know drew and yeah. and i see all the crazy stuff that he's had to do on the road and like sometimes i'm watching it and i have to turn it off because i start getting really bad anxiety just like what do you mean you had to do that overnight yeah. in a hotel get ready what's the craziest repair you've ever had to do on on the road oh i've i've refretted a guitar overnight before you know just always that's a little bit tricky it can yeah. be you know um but things happen you know pickups will stop working sometimes i mean it's rare but uh things happen you know a, a a guy I worked with in Little River Band told me early on, he's like, don't stress. Everything's going to break at some point. Yeah. And I was Rock like, and what roll. a great thing to say. You know, it's like, it's. Yeah. Shit happens. So just be prepared for it as much as you can. But, but everything will eventually break. So, you know, it's not on you. Just do your best to yeah. have a plan B on it. Um, uh, even yeah. us, Pat, even we break. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, different things will happen, you know, and you just gotta, you gotta think on your feet and be able to have, have something the next day, you know, that's adequate, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but I love those kind of challenges too. You know, it, it keeps you, keeps you thinking, keeps you on your feet and ultimately makes you a better technician, you know, when you overcome that stuff and go, yeah. Hey, look what I was able to do, you know? I've I've learned so much by just watching people, watching what they do, watching what they don't do, watching yeah. you. Um, like I said, you know, I follow Drew. I watch what he does on these videos, and I'm like, I never thought of that, you know. Yeah, Drew. Because incredible. even this far, I'm one of those people. Even this far into my career, man, I'm like still trying to learn. Dude, I yeah. I will watch somebody string a guitar and go, Wow, I don't do it like that. I'm gonna, you know, that looks more more economic than the way i do it or you know yeah i don't know if that's a yeah. right word but um you know i no, I, it's it's you can learn something from from everybody you know yeah. from anybody you know on with what we do um that was one of the 
things I really liked when I, when I started doing some of the bigger tours, I was able to meet, you know, Fran Stuber, Jim, you know, Jim service, um, Aiden Mullen, a lot of these guys who are the, you know, big brothers of the guys, you know, that do what we do. And, mm-hmm. uh, just not, not only just to learn from them, but just to see what their demeanor is too. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And like they're yeah. all cool. They're down to earth and they're not big headed guys. They're, yeah. they're humble in what they do. And most of them have a great sense of humor. You know, I mean, other guys, even, even dudes who are our age, like Scott Appleton, you know, an amazing tech, Drew Foppy. Um, there's tons of them out there, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Know? No, I, I get it, man. Like what, when I came out on this gig, I knew who the guitar tech was, who didn't know. Uh, uh, yeah. You. And yeah, yeah, I walked up to him and I go, Hey man, I just want to say hi. I want to introduce myself. And he's like, oh, thanks for coming over. And now, you know, I'll get to get a text from him going, Hey, you want to have breakfast? Like to me, that's a big deal. And I've learned yeah. so much from being around the cat, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's so humble and he's so generous with his skills and his time and his advice. Yeah. You can't help, but take, but then, like you say, you meet I, you meet someone like Drew, and 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 you can't help but just look at their work and go like, man, you know, like, yeah. thanks for sharing that work. Yeah, he's the valedictorian of our class, isn't he? You he know, is, man. He's guys. a goddamn madman. Scares yeah. me. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> he's you know, so. Um, you know, I I I watch, and he, you know, he'll post something like, oh, guitar neck was left on stage and we left without it so i built the neck out of the bedpost of my hotel room you know right. i smelted some tuners from some yeah. pennies i found yeah, yeah it's it's that kind of stuff like you know <laughs> you know. Made, made a deal with the russian mob for some russian tubes because we had to <laughs> right behind right. And, and it's it's those kind of things but he's he's the guy that does it and uh i've been trying to, i've been reaching out to him trying to get him to talk to me you know yeah yeah, yeah. You know, another guy uh, who I really enjoyed working with and I learned so much from him for the short amount of time we worked together was was Tom Weber and being a big Van Halen fan. Uh, and that's just one artist that he worked with, you know, but yeah. everything about that guy, he was funny. He was super smart. He was uh, he was just the definitive guitar technician, you know, yeah. he, you know, great, great guy. And uh man, I learned so much from Tom, but yeah, we're blessed to be able to pick these guys brains and learn from them. I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? They, I mean, some of them may not admit it that you may, I may do something that they like and they take yeah. it. And I'm always generous with what little that I know. I always, I'm always, I'm very self-deprecating, but anybody asks me for anything and I'm like, well, let me show you, you know, this is what yeah. I do. What's yeah, one I tool. Mean, what's one tool you can't do without in your workbox? And one that I use quite a lot, um, I got it right here, the uh, ESP span wrench. That's got to be, right? be one of the greatest inventions in the last I mean, 20 years. It, that, 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 this is, I use this all the time uh, for jacks, and pots, anything, you know, just to check, keep, keep an eye on that kind of stuff. Um, there's a company I'm really excited about their products. They're called Music Nomad. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they make uh, guitar tech tools specifically, like yeah. all-in-one tools and just kits and things like that. And it really, for especially for like fly dates, 
Yeah. I really like using their stuff, you know. Yeah, it, they make a lot of good stuff. Fun. I'm I'm part of their roster. I'm happy to be part of their roster. You yeah. know, that they've yeah. taken care of me and they've like they like you said, they've got a lot of great tools. It used to be Just you'd have to go break stuff. the bank and go to Stu right. Mac. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, Stu Mac makes saying, great stuff too. I was gonna say not that they don't make great stuff. It's just shit's expensive. That's Stu Mac. I hope you're listening. Give right. The tech, give the techs a deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Speaking speaking of, I was gonna ask you what you got planned coming up, but uh you just had a major knee surgery. Yeah, like most guys, you know, I, I don't go to the doctor when I should, and uh my knee hurt for shit probably a year year and a half and i was just wrote it off because i was so busy on the road when i was at home i just didn't take the time i got a wife and three boys and um life doesn't stop when you get home you hit the ground running and and with that world and uh i was just i finally went in and saw an orthopedic specialist and i was expecting them to say oh you got a meniscus tear or yeah. You know, you need a laparoscopic, blah, 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 whatever. And the guy looked at me like I was an idiot. He's like, you've got no cartilage at all in your knee. It's just grinding bone on bone. And uh, it felt like it. You know, I was miserable for a long time. And I I tried uh, to avoid getting a knee replacement, which is what he said I ultimately needed. I, I did the injections where it was like a, a cartilage substitute. They would inject into your knee. And they said sometimes that buys people a few months or sometimes it buys you a couple years. Um, but it really didn't do anything. So I got off, uh, the last tour on December 18th and, uh, the morning of December 20th, I went in, I got a right knee replacement, full, full knee replacement. So yeah, it's better than it was already. I mean, it already feels better than it did before the surgery. You kind of dipped into what I was going to ask you about that cats like us, like, um, when, you know, we'll put off, we'll put off, injuries until yeah. there's time to do it you know what would it would it benefit you to do it a year ago when you started feeling the pain could it could you avoid it surgery yeah i mean at what time at what point in time can you say okay i'm just not gonna work you know yeah. so i had to try to build it into where i knew i had a a pretty lengthy break where i could make, take the time to do it you know yeah. um but I'm about seven weeks out from it and it's crazy, man. I, they had me walking on it four hours after surgery, you know, with a walker, but, uh, with knee, I guess with knee surgeries and stuff, they don't, you have to be really proactive and get it moving because you don't want to, you don't want it to seize up or lose range of motion and go into atrophy and all that stuff. So it was a pretty, uh, aggressive physical therapy with it, you know? But I, and I'm still working at it now. Yeah. But I feel, but I feel like I'm about about eighty percent, ninety percent there. Um, you know? When do you think you might get back on the road? Is there? Um, you're, are you rushing it, or are you just making sure you're good to go? Well, I mean, there's so much you put off with your own health when you're out there, because you know, with our line of work, there's really not you don't have sick dates, you know. Yeah. And as a result of that, sometimes you really put your own. Uh, physical well-being on the back burner and and not that you should but it's just nature of the beast you know yeah. it's not like hey i can't make it in today can can you know bill help me out it it's just it's so specialist it's so specialized you can't you can't put the uh 
production in a situation like that, you know? Um, but I know, I know right now, um, with the band that I've worked with most recently, which is blue October. Um, I, I suggested to them that, you know, they find a guy, uh, so I could take the time to heal properly. And, and that's what they did. I'm going down, uh, in about two weeks, they start production rehearsals and, and just to kind of help get the guy situated, get him on his feet, save everybody some time. I wanted to just kind of show them the ropes. I mean, there's nothing worse than walking in on a gig cold, or not only do you not know anybody, yeah. but you don't know whose gear is whose, you know, what their preferences are and stuff. So I just want to give the guy the cliffs notes and yeah. get him going. And, and it allows me, I mean, like, I think I was telling you before we started this interview, um, I was out a lot last year, so I'm really happy to be home for a while, uh, just in the near future and just focus on being a dad and husband and, uh, keeping that you know keeping that uh in balance you know for right now and let my yeah. let myself properly heal yeah. yeah i hear you man that's but eventually i'll get out there again you know I, i'm looking to do it here once uh once uh once things are better you know yeah yeah what would what it uh, what advice would you give someone that's just getting into this industry like doing what we uh, do just watch people you know, I mean, uh, try to learn, try to pick up as much as you can, uh, on a local level, you know, be of help to bands that are doing things locally, um, before you ever get a road gig, you know? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things in life to say, oh, you fake it till you can make it. And you might be able to luck out and do that, but that's really not, this isn't really the, the job to throw yourself in the deep end of the pool although that's that's kind of what i did but i i don't advise it you know no i i agree um, i would i would have liked to uh learn a little more before i was you know thrown into but you know it yeah. turned out pretty well yeah yeah absolutely it didn't it? you know yeah. i mean i was talking to my dad the other day and it's like he's like you've seen a lot of this world more than most you know and i'm like yeah i'm incredibly grateful for that yeah like uh you know, who gets to do that? What other line of work? I mean, I know it's, yeah. uh, it's sometimes I used to say that, like, I, I couldn't, it's hard to have conversations with, uh, my friends who don't tour because they would say, Oh, what'd you do this weekend? And I'd say, well, I had a one-off in London and that sounds very douchey. Like I flew to London, yeah. did a show and flew back. It sounds, so I, I would just say, Oh, I didn't do, I didn't do anything, you know? But right. it, it it is a privilege for us to do this. And it's amazing because there's so many people in this world that don't get to do see the places we've seen and do the things we've done. And we get to do it on someone else's dime, man. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't let them start thinking about that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like right. That. But no, we get to do it, man. And I'm I'm very like you. I don't take it for granted. I appreciate every opportunity that's given to me and i i respect it i take it yeah and i try and give my 100 percent. well and to not only the things we get to experience but just the fact that it's something you love so much you know i always tell friends i'm a 52 year old who gets to play with lincoln logs you know right <laughs> right know? it's it's, it's never it's, had what, to grow up 100 you know? man 100 percent. like yeah and is and, there uh, is there one specific memory that sticks out 
Oh man, there's some crazy ones. I mean, ones back from when I was touring with my own band, um, doing the USO tours, we got to go to Egypt and, uh, we smoked a bunch of hash on the front porch of this gas station and then got to climb one of the great pyramids mm. and, and, and watch the sunset at all, man. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, who gets to, you know, who gets crazy. to do that? Not that I advocate for smoking a bunch of hash and climbing <laughs> ancient ruins, but, yeah. uh, that, that was a crazy memory that definitely sticks out. Um, getting to see the, the Roman Coliseum, uh, walking around that in the middle of the night when the streets were pretty empty. That was, that was nutty. Um, going to, uh, the 38th parallel and, in, in uh, in Korea, the, you know, the North and South Korea uh, yeah. border right there. Um, I don't know. You've got some crazy ones too. You're living it right now. No. Yeah, this is cool. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I had one that I was going to tell you about. It just, Man, my mind has been crazy. I just forget things sometimes, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I, you know, I've got, I got, I got to see Stonehenge. I got to go to the Godzilla Hotel in Tokyo, Japan. You know, yeah. people will, yeah. people will mock me for my love of Godzilla, but that was a big deal to me. And the only, the only thing that that made it suck was I didn't have my kid there with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The dad and son nerds at the Godzilla Hotel. Yeah, and that's the biggest trade-off with what we do, isn't it? It's time away from the wife and kids and friends yeah. and family. It's like, um, so I just try to be the best I can uh, when I when I am with them yeah. with, to that experience. You know, be the best dad and husband I can be. Right on, because um, it is it is a it is a goddamn balancing act, you know. And it's uh, a hard life. Not, I mean, you know, for for the people at home, it's it's definitely harder. And, and the fact they deserve all the credit because they allow us to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have friends, neighbors who are like, I just, I don't know how you do it. And I'm like, see the house over there. That's how I do it. I, it's my job. You right, know, right. the real you said, world dictates we have bills to pay. And that's when you I said earlier, like basket, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, so I, I know this, you know. When you said earlier, like, I like tube amps, I like analog amps, and I'm like, but I also like to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I got to learn, I got to learn this gear, you know? Yeah. But, um, well, Patrick, man, I I appreciate your time. I know we tried this before. We had a few technical difficulties, but dude, I love you, man. You're, you're. Love you too, buddy. It's an honor. Good friend, man. And like I said, you came to, you, you, you. You popped into my life just when I needed a good friend, you know. Uh, and, and hey, man, you saved me as well. You have no idea, and I've yeah. never. I hope I. I hope I. You know that. You know yeah. that was. Uh, that was a dark period during COVID. Yeah. You know, for everyone, man. But you know, all I can speak for is how it affected me, and and the, the steps I try to take to better it. And and I think, you know, I always say the universe puts things in your way, and he, you know, he definitely you know, the, the universe definitely put you in my path. And then I thank it for that. Well, you're a blessing, man. I was so, I was so bummed when you moved, uh, <laughs> from up the street. I felt like I was 10 years old again, losing my, it was so cool street. when you came to New Jersey and, and I got to see you, I got to come to your show and, and, yeah. and, you know, see a really cool band that I had never really seen. They'd been yeah. around for a while and they just blew me away. 
yeah, they're, they're super nice guys. And it's, uh, yeah, yeah. We're all really, uh, we're all really blessed. Aren't we? You know? Yeah. 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 Well, man, the name of the podcast is called is breakfast included. I'm going to ask you again, if we were having breakfast, which we have had, what would you have? Yeah. What would I have? Yeah. Well, since I'm a, a Southern boy now, I, I get the, I get biscuits and gravy almost most of the time. If I go out to breakfast, that's what I get. You know, it's a good one. <laughs> I don't know. You know, yeah, but yeah, that, that's what uh, they call it the Southern combo here at my local <laughs> uh, breakfast place. And that's what I get. So, yeah. We're right on Patrick, man. It was good talking to you. It was good seeing you, brother. You have a good one. Love you, man. And it's, uh, I wish we got to chat more, you know. All right. Well, we, we could still call each other all the time. Yeah, when this thing uh, calms down in Vegas, give me a ring. You know, will do, brother. You take care. Thanks for having me. Right on, Pat Ryan. Told you he was a cool guy, didn't I? Tell you, and you always doubt me. I know you always doubt me when I say, "Oh, he's a cool guy." You're like, man, not everybody can be that cool, but they are. Everyone is cool in their own way. Anyway, you can find more about Patrick on his Instagram at. Pat V Ryan nine seven two one. I mean, go check it out. He posts a lot of family photos, a lot of gig photos, or or don't, man, don't go over there and just be talking a bunch of nonsense. All right. <laughs> but while you're online, check out isbreakfast.com. Check out our YouTube, our Instagram. Subscribe to our podcast. Like, comment, and share videos of our podcast all that good stuff. Make sure you buy a shirt too. Um, I know we just had Valentine's Day. I think it was last week. So maybe you can give your significant other a late Valentine's Day gift of an IBI t-shirt. That would be really cool. I would like one. If somebody came with me and gave me a shirt like that, I'd be like, fuck it. Anyway, I'm done. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.